When you hear the term ancient aliens, what comes to mind? Is it ancient Egypt, Mesopotamia, something in the old world? But what about here in the new world, in the Americas? Is there a connection? What if I were to tell you that Native American shamanism may have a direct connection to the star people? Well, there's a lot of archaeology, a lot of indigenous stories and lore that have been around for quite some time, but just never really taken seriously, never uncovered in a specific light that now we are seeing. I'm about to share with you a lot of information that will blow your mind and completely rewrite the form of history that you may once have known about the Americas. Remember to smash that like button, comment below, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, share this video out far and wide, and get ready for a whirlwind of new information right here on Waking Infinity News. Welcome back to Waking Infinity News. This is going to be a very near and dear subject to my heart. Shamanism, specifically amongst the Native Americans and potentially the connections with alien life. Star people, as they were called. There are a bunch of stories that have been shared from around the world, but really not as many that we would have heard about here in the Americas. So I'm so excited to bring this information to you. I've been studying it for quite some time. So let's just jump right into it. I want to take your attention to all the indigenous that live around the Great Lakes area. A Native American named Richard Wagamais from Northern Ontario said, my people tell the star people who came to us many generations ago. The star people brought spiritual teachings and stories and maps of the cosmos and they offered these freely. They were kind, loving, and set a great example. When they left us, my people say there was a loneliness like no other. This example and the next both come from Collective Evolution under their alternative news section. This next one is from Stéphane Woutini, who spoke of distant relations and star people living amongst the stars many times, mainly around campfires and during traditional ceremonies. Far from being anything to be feared, star people were just another term that I grew up around. Now, the interesting thing about the Cree, which is really a French term, and White Walking Feather tells me that the real name is Nehuin, and the Ojibwa. So these are two North American indigenous groups that are really the only ones that I have read about so far that have what is known as Denisovan DNA. Denisovans were a humanoid race that lived at the same time as Neanderthals and early humans in the Altai Mountains of Siberia. In this high altitude and very cold climate, they were very large and apparently lived in solitude. Now, researcher Andrew Collins, who wrote a book about the Denisovan history with a foreword from Graham Hancock, says that, yes, the Denisovans seem to be mostly around the Altai Mountains, and that's only because, really, the only evidence that we have for them is a finger bone that was found in the Altai Mountains. And that is where we get most of what we know about their genetics and how those genetic lines have migrated. But those genetics did not migrate just in Siberia. They actually seem to have landed first in South America because Denisovan DNA exists a lot through South American indigenous. And there only seems to be a few tribes in North America, namely the Cree and the Ojibwa, that have Denisovan DNA. 
But they have stories, the Korean, the Ojibwa, of the Thunderbird. Now these are legends of the Anamiki, which are the Thunderbird people, who could shapeshift from birds to humanoid. Collins suggests that the Thunderbirds may have been hybrid descendants of the Denisovans, which in turn are the likely candidates for the Ojibwa's shamanic caste known as the Jessikid, who apparently had the power of the Thunderbird. There's something very interesting about the Jessikid. The Jessikid stayed separate from the Ojibwa priesthood, the Grand Medicine Society. But why exactly would there be separate shamanic castes within the Ojibwa? Very interesting. So this lends to the idea that the Ojibwa, at some point in time, bred with the Denisovans, lending to their roughly 3% DNA that comes from Denisovan. Now, the Jessikid were the shamanic class that were separate from the Grand Medicine Society. And so when the Grand Medicine Society could not heal somebody, could not solve some kind of a problem, they went to the outliers. Now, the Jessikid were a shamanic caste that stayed very separate and remote from the Grand Medicine Society. But when they needed help, they would go to the Jessikid and the Jessikid would help them out these Jessikid that had the power of the Thunderbird. So keep that in mind. There's something about that DNA that seemed to be quite special. It is very potential that it is the Jessikid that had more Denisovan DNA than did the Grand Medicine Society, a part of the main Ojibwa line. So could this mean that shamanism doesn't even begin with humans? What if it began with Denisovans? What if the Denisovans actually have a lot more ties to the Thunderbirds than we know. What are the Thunderbirds? Could shamanism actually originate off-planet? These are all very interesting questions, but if you've researched people like David Icke and heard of reptilians and heard of ancient gods like Michael Tassarian, Zechariah Sitchin, uh, the, the list goes on and on and on. You've heard these stories very likely before, but keep all those stories in mind as I share with you what Google has to say about the Thunderbirds. The Thunderbird of the Sioux people, which would really be the Lakota, Nakota, and Dakota people, was a noble creature that protected humans from the Onktahila, who were dangerous reptilian monsters, and some believe that they were shapeshifters who often changed their appearance to interact with people. So there you have the reptilian shapeshifters, and then you have a bird-like shapeshifter. Very curious. So the bird-like shapeshifters of the Thunderbirds were actually protecting the indigenous from this reptilian race. These are just stories, but kind of interesting. Most of those reptilian stories you heard were from the old world. Now this is coming from the new world. Author Graham Hancock also showed that in the U.S., there was a lot of focus on the star Deneb, which is the head of the constellation Cygnus, which is the great swan or the thunderbird in the sky. The swan comes in in the Greek myth of Cygnus, which relates to Zeus, the god of lightning and thunder, who turned himself into a large bird to seduce Queen Leda of Sparta. At the Smithsonian Institute, you'll find a whelk shell engraved by Mississippian Native Americans to depict a hybrid birdman. So, these tropes seem to be both in the Old World and in the New World. This idea of like a bird-headed god-like figure. Horus in Egypt, and then here we have that in the Thunderbird people who could shapeshift 
So again, very interesting. Maybe there's a connection. Maybe it's just fantastic mythologies that were shared around the world or somehow emerged at the same time within the consciousness of all indigenous. And none of this comes from the stars. But you really actually have to keep an open mind about this. Perhaps there is some kind of star people connection. Around Mount Shasta, California, the Yuki Indians tell of the supreme spirit Melili, who threw obsidian from the sky to the earth. Well, the figure that they mentioned, the Yuki Indians, said that it took the form, this creature, Melili, took the form of a giant eagle or a condor. Now, these star stories are replete. A giant eagle or condor seems to be the bird that is most associated with the Thunderbird. Because the Thunderbird stories, if you can loosen the rigidity of just the word Thunderbird, actually can be seen all the way down into South America. So these stories of the Thunderbird seem to go back quite far. But they also seem to come all the way up to recent history, all the way into the 1900s, right in Pennsylvania. And I was researching this while I was in Pennsylvania. And one thing I didn't realize, I'd been studying Wayne May for quite some time, who shows alternative uh, history of the Americas and how potentially the Lost Tribes made it to the Americas, the Lost Tribes of Israel, that he was talking a lot about the Hopewell. And the Hopewell is really all throughout Pennsylvania. But when I finally picked up this book, this land, Zarahemla and the Nephite nation. Now the Nephite nation would have been one of those lost tribes of Israel. When they were lost to the old world, potentially they went around the world and some of them, many of them actually landed in the new world. And there are many who say, and I've read these books as well, that the Hawaiian Islanders, as well as the Maoris, and pretty much many other groups indigenous groups that live elsewhere except for the aboriginals in Australia, which I like to call the originals, that they may have been lost tribes, different lost tribes. So the point we need to pay attention to, thanks to the work of Wayne May, is just after the more primitive woodland period, which took place between South Quebec and Ontario between 3,000 to 500 years ago, where we noticed artifacts that show wildly different cultural influences. And this would be things like metallurgy, which was not known in the Americas, but at this time was known in the Old World. And also things like swords and artifacts with Hebrew inscriptions on them. Okay, that's very interesting. So how would that have happened? Well, it really does look like, and Wayne May talks about, these turtle-shaped boats moored to one another came across the Atlantic and went through the Great Lakes waterway into the Great Lakes region. So, if the Old World influence made it all the way here like that, and they brought metallurgy, and they brought these things with Hebrew inscriptions on them, potentially they brought their genetics with them. And that is what this book is really talking about. That not all of them stayed, but some of them actually absorbed into the neighboring tribes. And this is how you have a cultural and artifact explosion around this time. So to distill a lot of this down for you, Native Americans around the Great Lakes regions tell of star people. And these star people brought with them spiritual teachings. They potentially brought with them shamanic healing, which I believe would be spiritual teachings as well. And on top of this, they brought maps of the cosmos, and this allowed for people to travel between the cosmos freely. 
Interestingly enough, that right there is a whole episode in and of itself. But now, across the pond, the visitors that came over here in the BC era and brought a lot of artifacts with them would have probably been the Sumerians. And the Sumerians, that is where we hear a lot of the lore of ancient aliens. When you look at Gobekli Tepe, when you look at all of these most ancient archaeological digs, these archaeological sites, you find that they at least go back eight to 12,000 years, probably a lot more than that, because that's when they started getting buried and covered up. So the interesting thing is that all the way back then, what they were given, supposedly, was the power of agriculture. Now, this is where the story really starts to thicken. The plot starts to really congeal, and we start to see that there may actually have been a lot of this Sumerian influence in the new world here. Distinguished scholar Cyrus H. Gordon wrote a book called Before Columbus, links between the old world and ancient America, and he said that Sumerian civilization required raw materials from great distances in different directions confronts us with an alternate view of Sumerian origins. He goes on to say that much Native American traditions made it back to Sumer and can be seen in their culture there. Now, if you look at Google again, you will see that the Thunderbird is known to have allowed for the watering of the earth and for vegetation to grow. This isn't a direct connection between the Sumerians and their um, help with our understanding of agriculture so many thousands of years ago. But that would be kind of interesting. The Thunderbird people, what if there was a connection to Horus? And what if Horus did have a connection with the Sumerians? And what if all of this was kind of combined and what is being told here on Google actually does have to do with the bringing of agriculture? I find that very interesting. And if you look at people like Anton Parks and his work, when he looks, and he's one of the foremost Assyriologists and ones who are deciphering a lot of these ancient Sumerian clay tablets, he is saying, with, without a shadow of a doubt, these were star visitors. It's not just interesting mythology of looking at the sky and coming up with stories. These are definitely star visitors. So I want to bring your attention now to the Cree Nation native Wilfred Buck. He speaks of star people from Pakon Kasik, which is the blood vein and the Chemawawin Cree name for Pleiades, which is the Seven Sisters, which is where many of their people are said to have come from through wormholes. So this is where it really starts to get interesting. This was a Cree elder saying that his people come from the Pleiades through wormholes. Now I have to take you back into some of the older work that I've done. First, I want to say that, okay, in the Cree, in the Ojibwa, maybe some other Great Lakes uh, indigenous around there had Denisovan DNA. So they had this DNA from an ancient humanoid kind of um, race. Not Neanderthal, and it's not quite human. And they were quite different. And Andrew Collins said that they were able to weather uh, very cold spells. They were able to live at very high altitude. In a sense, it almost sounds like Wim Hof. But really, the point I'm trying to make here is with this Denisovan DNA, did this allow for them to have deeper connections to, I don't know, shamanic healing? Well, what does that really mean? You have this DNA within you. 
and you have a deeper connection to something. Okay, and this Denisovan DNA is found also in South America a lot more than it is in North America. And if you go to Peru, you will see these stargates. Not just anyone can walk into them and just appear somewhere else in the galaxy or in the universe. But the interesting thing is, is that they were called stargates and only certain people knew how to pass through them. What if those people had specific genetics? And a lot of these stargates were looked at and some evidence points to there are electromagnetic, let's say aberrations, uh, anomalies around these stargates. If that is so, bear with me here, potentially the electromagnetic aberration would allow for the genetics to, in a sense, express themselves differently. We know that our environment turns on genes and turns off genes. Even our internal thoughts, which being a part of our environment, does the same thing. But what if these specific stargates allowed for the proper expression of our genetics, and if you had the right, let's say, Denisovan G DNA, you could potentially travel between the cosmos. Maybe you, didn't, you don't really need the DNA, because apparently the star people brought maps of the cosmos and showed them that they too can travel freely. But maybe it was easier to access with those who had the Denisovan DNA. So we really need to take a look at this. Now I want to take it deeper because I mentioned wormholes. Now I'm talking about stargates. Is there a connection there? Well, the Russian science Grazina Fosar and Franz Bludorf found that DNA can cause disturbing patterns in a vacuum, thus producing magnetized wormholes or microscopic Einstein-Rosen bridges that are found after dead stars that tunnel connections between different areas in the universe through which information can be transmitted outside of space and time. Our DNA attracts these bits of information and passes them onto our consciousness. The process of hypercommunication, things like telepathy, channeling, is most effective in a state of relaxation or meditation, potentially having to do with these spiritual teachings brought from the star people, from the Pleiades, through these wormholes. So, possible. It's possible if these stories actually have some kind of truth rather than just stories that were made up because our ancestors were really bored, right? That'd be the easiest thing to say. But, but I brought this up to you guys before in a deeper dive section. And this is going to be a long Waking Infinity News because I want to point you guys back to the deeper dive section at benjosephstewart.com. You have to become a member to catch all this stuff that I have to post directly to the website because I can't put it on YouTube. There's a lot of things that would flag the algorithms and I intend to stay respectful, but I would like for all of you to either sign up as a patron on Patreon or better yet, become a member at benjosephstewart.com so you can hear how I take this deeper into quantum DNA holography and how our DNA actually responds more. You don't even need to read the code of it. It responds to our language and our words, especially when wrapped with direct emotions. And this is a skill that can be learned. And in fact, if you go through any shamanic discipline anywhere, you will realize that this is encrypted into it. It's also encrypted into meditation. It's encrypted into things like yoga and in Tai Chi. These are ancient wisdom teachings that 
I believe our modern technology is bringing us into a deeper understanding of. So I really hope you guys can go over to the deeper dive section at benjosephstewart.com, check that out, become a member, and please take this deeper dive because I think all of this information really does point towards a rewritten history, a, a type of rewritten history and an educational background that has allowed for us to completely not understand where we come from, not understand what we're capable of, and to put us in this, you have to prove it first, then I'll believe it, very rigid scientific box, which is really the category that most of us in our, our modern society we're steeped in. So that's where I'm going to leave you guys. Check it the rest out at benjosephstewart.com. I want to thank you all for joining me on Waking Infinity News. I'll see you next time.